Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. Hi. So I get to bring the word today. I'm, uh, if, if you don't know me, that's, that's a mistake. <laughs> I, don't know how the, I don't know how that works. My name's Pastor Dennis. You can call me Dennis. I, uh, I used to resist being called Pastor Dennis, not because I don't understand that as a ministry or a uh, giftedness, because I know who I am. I've known that for, like I said, I've been a Christian 45 years. I've known that most of my understanding and Christian walk. It's just that sometimes people put a label on you that maybe they don't understand. That's my concern. It's like, and, and I used to say it this way where, you know, I, I, a couple of people in the fellowship here were plumbers. And I said, the difference between a pastor and a plumber is sometimes you really need a plumber. You know, it's like, you, you should, you should, I have plumbers on speed dial. And, and sometimes being a pastor gets misunderstood. But, but can I tell you, the, the Lord has put something in my heart today. And so here it is. Good morning. And we're in the, uh, a teaching series. This is, I think, week three of eight. And it's labeled Saints and Sinners. And I have some really good news for you. You're one of them. <laughs> I mean, the good news is you are either a saint or a sinner. There is not a third category. Even though man would like to make three and four categories from God. Oh, you know what? Listen, we're going to get into the Bible today. If you do not have a Bible or need one or would like one, we have these black and they are New Living Translations. That's, so if you'd like a Bible, raise your hand and we'll get this to you. If you want to keep it, you're free to take it home. If you don't need it, just put it back on the table after the service. Is that a fair deal? Yep. So if you're using um, one of the electronic devices, we're using the, it's a New Living Translation, NLT. Just to let you know that I'm going to be using that today. I am bilingual in multiple, multiple verses or versions. <laughs> so, But yeah, I, th- I think the, the whole thing is about being a saint or a sinner is, you know, it, it all depends on or all determines who, who, who gets to make that determination. It, isn't it incredible? I would love to tell people who they're, who, whether they're a sinner or not. <laughs> and I definitely would not want to be um, labeled as one, right? Because that, the consequences are bad. Uh, but listen, Pastor uh, Greg started this a couple of weeks ago, and, and, and we are actually eavesdropping into a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, which is a Jewish religious leader. He's an expert in Jewish law. And Jesus is talking to them, and, and they the context that, that we really need to get a hold of is they're talking about what it means, or at least Jesus is presenting this question, what does it mean to be part of or, or, or enter into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? And so part of the thing that I need to do is kind of give you some of the code because there, there is a, a little co- religious code there. When we say the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, that means something. It meant something to these guys. It meant something to Jesus. And it meant something to Nicodemus. And from us, anybody here Jewish? Right. 
See, we have, we may be clueless as to what they really talk about. Uh, we have what they call a Greek mindset, which means we think how we were taught to think. And our thinking is Greek centered. Everything, we're good with the New Testament uh, line of thought. But when we talk about Old Testament stuff, that's why a lot of times churches avoid Old Testament because we really don't know what they're talking about. It is literally a different language. But when Jesus speaks to Nicodemus and they're saying the kingdom of heaven, they're saying, what does it take for someone to get a right relationship with God here on earth and eventually go to heaven? That's what they're talking about. Is anybody here interested in that subject? Anybody here interested in all of how we're going to get right with God here and into a place where we want to where we get to be placed in heaven. Anybody at all interested in the message? Because if you're not, I can go somewhere else. <laughs> not really. You, you're stuck with me. See, part of the, the messages of, of the Christian church and the gospel really talk about those two facets. What does it take to please God right here on the earth? And what will it eventually be, if it's anything different, to make it into heaven? I, would, I told you I was raised Catholic. I can tell you exactly what it meant to go to heaven. And 46 years ago, I thought I knew. I had it down. If you were to ask me weeks before I became a Christian, are you going to heaven? I would say affirmative. Without doubt, I know the system. I know the rules. And I did know the rules until I learned the rules. Jesus is talking to this religious teacher, this religious leader, and he says, do you know how to get into heaven? Jesus said, can I tell you? You have to be born in a spiritual sense. You have to be born spiritually. And Nicodemus goes, I don't get that. Now, wait a minute, we have to stop here. Here's a guy that his whole life has been focused on getting people how to walk right with God and eventually make it into heaven. And Jesus says, do you know you need to be born again? And he goes, I don't even know what you're talking about. Now, can I tell you? That tells me, that gives me a little bit of hope. This guy was a smart dude. Nicodemus was cream, top of the class type guy. And if he doesn't get the things of God, that gives me hope because there's room for me at the table. I think it's really important for us at times to open our hands, maybe this way or that way, saying, God, I think I know this is how you work. I think this is what you want from me today, but I really would rather you tell me than me tell you. That makes sense? So today, I just want to encourage you to open up your hearts to maybe seeing the gospel in a slightly different way. This may hurt today. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, the gospel sometimes does that. <clears throat> just saying. So last week, Pastor Greg did a great job. I'm, I'm just not saying that because he can fire me because he can't. But, but, but the beautiful thing, he did, he did a really great job on presenting the conversation with, with uh, Jesus and Nicodemus. Because the answer that Jesus said about how to get to this 
personal relationship with Jesus and eventually go to heaven. He says, let me turn to numbers, which is something that Nicodemus would definitely know about. The language that Nicodemus said, he says, hey, let me tell you how it works. Remember when Moses was leading the people of Israel and they all were totally obedient and they were perfect people? And Nicodemus goes, no, they weren't that way at all. Right? In fact, in fact, he called them you know, you know what they were because Pastor Greg said it. They were, it begins with R and ends with Ebel. They were rebels. Right, right. See, and that's, anybody here rebels? Because I have a cop over here who will, will arrest you. Listen, being a rebel is, is something, first of all, that Jesus was quite aware of and Nicodemus was aware of. The people of Israel, God's chosen people, were rebels. Oh, wait, wait, let's see if this fits. Jesus' chosen people here in Citrus Heights in this building are... Oh, only a few of you caught on. Right? I have to own the fact that in me is this heart that loves God but also is rebellious. We have to own that conflict. Right? Yeah, so this is sort of a my synopsis. He says, hey, we, we talked about rebellion and sin. So basically, the message inside of Numbers was that the people of God were rebellious and they were called out. And, and so, and there were consequences. They were rebellious against God and then God put wrath, judgment, and consequences, which means, specifically in the story, snakes came and bit them. Horrible. And thousands of them were, were dying. And, and then we have a point where they said, help us, we repent, we, we're losers, we're rebels. They owned the fact, they wore the hat, they had the jersey, we're rebels. And then Moses steps in and he intercedes, he steps in between, he says, God, your people are rebels. They have sinned, they deserve your wrath, but they've repented. Moses says, God, see their heart, change the consequences. See, there was never a denial that they weren't rebels. There was never a denial that they didn't deserve what they got. There wasn't a a, a shake in the head, man, that person shouldn't have died because all of them deserved what they got. But Moses stepped in and, and there was a statement. God told Moses, hey, listen, I want you to take this, this uh, snake, this make a, a, a graven image, which I think is hilarious, in the form of a snake, put it on a pole. And he said, whoever will look on this snake will be healed. The, the, the people of Israel are going, what's that all about? Jesus is telling Nicodemus, he says, you know, that's what's actually going to happen. The people of God, the people of this world are in a place where they deserve death. They have a fatal disease because of sin and rebellion, and they are doomed to eternal death. That is the condition. That's not a question. And he says, 
There will be a snake lifted on a pole. Now, Jesus isn't a snake. But we see where Jesus took sin upon himself. And he says, whoever looks on that and believes that the death of the, the holy innocent one will lead to salvation, whoever believes in that will be saved. What an incredible message. I wish I had preached that. I wish that was mine, but it wasn't. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not there yet. <laughs> Let's read some scripture. So if, if you have one of the black Bibles that we just handed out, it's actually, this is your benefit for grabbing one. Page 883. If you don't have a black Bible, I'm not going to tell you where we're at. No, I'm just kidding. We're in John chapter 3. Of course we're in John chapter 3. We're going to be going through John chapter 3. And I'm going to start with John 3.16 because I get to say it a, a bunch of times. And we're going to go through verse 21. So I'm just going to... Read it, I'll, I'll wait a moment. So get to John three sixteen through 21. Again, page 883 in your black Bible there. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that whoever, excuse me, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come into the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so humbled and so thankful and have so much gratitude that your word has been spoken to us and has been written for our benefit. We're thankful, Father, for the benefit of your word, the, the blessings, the abundance of opportunity to study your word. Where across the world, that is not the case. Father, you've given us great power, great opportunity. Let us be faithful stewards of your word and let your word have a rich um, effect and deposit in our lives. I pray, Father, that you would open our hearts and our ears our hearts to, to understand and our ears to hear. And let us, Father, be faithful stewards of your word today. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, I want to start just by telling you something about myself that you may be shocked. I watch a little TV, just a little bit, like way too much than I should. But periodically I watch a show called Pawn Stars. Anybody ever see that? I love this story. I mean, I mean, listen, there's a group of crazy, goofy people who run a pawn store in Las Vegas. Now, they, they have their own antics. But the, the thing that I'm totally intrigued on is that people bring in things and try to sell it to the pawn star, the pawn store, excuse me, be careful. The pawn store. And, and the idea is there's usually some sort of negotiation 
toward the value of the item. And one of the, the principles that you learn over, or, you know, it doesn't take very long, is that as, as an item has an increased value, it's likely to be a counterfeit. And I was just thinking, so I got this box of Kleenex. Oh, it's not even that. This is a counterfeit. So, so what do we call this? I, I already did. What's this? It's a tissue, but what do we call it? Kleenex. Why do we call it a Kleenex? Not the best brand, the first brand, probably the best marketed brand. It may be the original brand, right? And then all the knockoffs, you know, puff, is a, is a, is a counterfeit, right? It's a counterfeit. Does anybody get offended? Kleenex might. But, you know, they've, they sorted it out. They, they have to do it something different, fold it three ways instead of five ways. Who knows? Right? But counterfeiting this is no big deal. Why? Because it's relatively valueless to the average person. But the, the, the crazy part is that cross has been counterfeited gazillions of times. It has been negotiated. It has been trampled on. It has been refigured. It's been reworded. The story has been sliced and diced and shaved and distorted. See, the issue is, stay. Counterfeiting that makes no difference in the human landscape. But counterfeiting the message of the cross changes everything. Jesus warned us and said, hey, listen, in this world, there will be people who preach a different gospel. Paul, Paul tells us, listen, you're not fighting against flesh and blood. You're fighting against powers and principalities that are trying to change what you do with this word. <laughs> I, I love the, one of the songs that says, we're going through fire and water. I, I wish that the, that was just like a, a, a hot tub, maybe a sauna. The things that God intends for us to go through are not designed to be pleasant. It's designed to be fruitful. It's designed to be beneficiary. But, but the things that we go through, I want to say this kindly, will kill you. Jesus said something like, hey, you want to follow me? Pick, pick up your cross. <laughs> the Jews are going, we don't like this guy. They were offended because he was saying, you know, all the, the traditions and rituals we've been following our life, that's not enough. Hmm. I... Uh, I, I want to talk about disappointment for a moment, but I, I want to use a, 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 an illustration. So I got to ask you, Greg, do people, young people know what a vending machine is? Oh, good. Just checking. So disappointment occurs when what I expect doesn't happen. How many people are okay with that? Disappointment occurs when something I expect doesn't happen. So Hey, there are three possible uh, 
Out comes with a vending machine. Now, so just let you know, just focus. If, if, if there are rows, if you go the fourth row down and over eight, that's my sweet spot. Literally, that's Snickers. I, I scoped that out to make sure that this was a valid representation of what, what a vending machine should have in it. I could care less about the other stuff, but D8 is Snickers, and that's what I would get all the time. <laughs> Three possible outcomes. First one, what happens if you get what you expected? What happens is you're contented, right? You, you put your money in, or you swipe the card, you push the buttons, what came out? In math, we'd call that functional, if you want to get it down to but what happens when you get more than you expected? Forget about the, the guy behind, before you that got shorted, but when two things come out, you are overjoyed. Like, right? But, but there's, there's always a third, right? What, what happens when you get less than? Uh, that's what disappointment is. What happens when you expect something and it doesn't come out the way you want it? And, and, and the, the, the real question is, could that happen in a spiritual sense? Could that happen in our understanding of who God is and how he works? What would happen if I expected something in my relationship with God, in my, in my walk with God, and it wasn't? What God had appointed. See, disappointment, the word dis, I read, I, I looked a long time ago and an old dictionary said D-I-S and it said of the devil. I went, cool. I said, what would Jesus, or excuse me, what would the, the enemy do to an appointment? See, if God appointed something, how would the enemy deflect or change or shave or distort that? That's what disappointment is. And some of it's my fault, if I have, or maybe false teaching. If I have an expectation that my life should be this, 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 and this, and it doesn't, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm disappointed, I'm going to be mad at God for not giving me what I expected. But the real question is, what if God never appointed something that I'm expecting? I know that wouldn't happen to you. But I've seen that plenty of times where people get married and they expect things to go smoothly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a human. That's, that was comedy. I know, I know it's hard. Or, or when they have kids and they think, listen, I've seen churches break up with this scripture, ready? If you raise your child in the way that they should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. How many people have heard that scripture? Every parent knows that and they have that tattooed somewhere in their brain. But if I tell you that if you raise your child in a certain way, they will follow in the Lord and they will not rebel. See, that's slightly the same, but totally different. If I expect my children not to be rebels that God said you are, then I can be disappointed when my kids rebel. The truth of the matter, every one of your kids are rebels. I don't care if they're a good kid. Yeah, you, I'm talking about you. <laughs> and you, and you, no. <laughs> Point out kids. You're all rebels. Right? Moses wasn't surprised that they were rebels. God definitely was not surprised that they were rebels. But when 
I don't think they are when I think my kids are angels and they do evil I can be disappointed that God didn't keep his promise and he didn't keep a promise he never intended to keep because he didn't say I'm going to make your kids angels he said I'm going to make them redeemed you don't want your kids to be angels you want your kids to be transformed by the power of the blood of the lamb right and that's a process that isn't pretty necessarily I wish it was so uh, how are we doing you still love me could a misunderstanding of God's word lead to someone's eternal disappointment? Huh. Wow. You, you know, because, because that's ultimately what Nicodemus, Nicodemus had been teaching all his life that if I follow the, the Judaic laws, if I follow the constraints of, of the religious system, we will eventually make it into the eternal relationship with God. And Jesus is saying, that's not how it works. Let's take a look at some scripture. This is sort of fun. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I have, this is the scripture broken up into bite-sized pieces a little bit. For God, oh, excuse me, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Can I tell you that John 3.16 is one of the most beautiful bits of scripture ever penned. It is also one of the greatest counterfeited scriptures around. Because doesn't it believe, doesn't it matter what you believe, believe means? I sound like Clinton. It depends what the word is, is. <laughs> Sorry. Those of you who are old know it. You young guys are, huh? Okay. That's President Clinton, not the other one. See, this is a great scripture. For God loved you. I want you to know that God loves you. I do. I want that to be preeminent. I want you to know that he loved you enough to transfer and to put his son as equal value to, to you. See, in math, there would be an equal sign. God loved the world or put your name in there. And there's an equal sign to his son who he gave for your benefit. That's awesome math. His desire is that you don't perish, but have everlasting life. But there's one condition. And that's where we get really tricky. It's like belief, right? What does it mean to believe? Oh, I think that I can read this one as well. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him, he has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Listen, I, I have to understand that, that there's some things being spoken by Jesus. He said, listen, if you don't believe you're going to perish and that's an eternal issue. But if you do believe you'll live forever, you'll have eternal life. That's a, that's a big deal. That's a, a big consequence. So knowing what believe is supposed to mean really makes a difference. 
Our Greek mindset, without any help, says, I acknowledge and, and accept the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. I guess I'm going to heaven. I agree and accept the fact that God had, that there is a creator. I, I think it's easy to believe that, that my understanding is enough. The Amplified Bible years ago, they, I think they adjusted it, actually had the, the statement that to cling to, to rely on, to lean on. That, that was the, the definition, the Greek understanding of the word believe. But, but I want to submit to you that what does it really mean for you to believe that Jesus was sent for your benefit? How does that actually play out? I wish there was a clear picture of what Jesus expects my belief to look like. Wouldn't that be really good? How many people would love the fact if Jesus could speak to you today and say exactly what he expects you to be like so that he would be pleased with you and that eventually, again, the right living and eventually you would go to heaven. Would anybody buy into that story? Anybody interested in the, the yeah, one, one honest person. I love the fact, you know, the, just kidding. But, but it, can, I, can we read the next portion of text with that, that context? It says, Jesus doesn't leave Nicodemus in the lurch saying, I hope you get it right, Nick. Listen, you've missed the point all of your life. As a Jewish teacher, you have no clue how, to, how, to, how one person goes from rebel to, to righteous. No clue. And I've just told you, you have to have spiritual birth. And Nicodemus is going, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, let me explain it to you, Lucy. Here's just some ideas. Jesus expresses the love of the Father. Jesus expresses the plan of the Father. We realize that judge and condemnation equals perishing. We understand that being saved equals eternal life. There's only one condition, and that's to believe. Can it really be this simple and easy? I believe in anything to avoid being condemned. Are you serious? I'll sign up for ARP. I'll do anything to get out of hell. Believing in Jesus is not just agreeing with the concept that he exists. It's agreeing with the Bible that without him, nothing exists. Trust in, cling to, rely on. Listen to the rest of the text. And the judgment is based on this fact. This is why God calls you a rebel. That's why he calls me a rebel. That's why there's a break in a relationship with God. The thing that really needs to be adjusted he said, God's light came into the world. How did God's light come into the world? Through the sun, S-U-N. See, part of the thing we have to look at is, again, our Greek mindset is the greatest light in the world is the S-U-N. That's the greatest light our earth knows. But... It is not the greatest light in, 
in, in all creation. The greatest light of creation came at the very beginning when God said, let there be light. And then four days later, he says, oh, by the way, here's a picture of it. There's the sun. See, the world would, could exist with the S-U-N. And that light was perfect for the E-A-R-T-H. But for those who are going to be redeemed, they have to deal with the S-O-N. That brings a, a different form of light, a full light, a complete light, a scary light. And judgment is based on this fact, light came into the world... But people, see, usually when I say, for God so loved the world, I say, okay, Paul, say, for God so loved Paul that he gave his only son. See, I, I want that to be personal, but nobody wants this to be personal. <laughs> for God's, God's light came into the world, but Dennis loved darkness more than light. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. That's a word we need to receive. Right? We know two things right now. Jesus didn't come to condemn you for your condition. Let me say that again. Jesus did not condemn you, does not condemn you for your condition, but he does point out your condition. Right? So... Judgment is based on light came in the world, but people, Dennis, love darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. See, I'm hopeless without God. I'm going to do evil because that's what's natural. And it may look good. It may look like I'm hugging people, but my intent, my, my heart is evil. That's what's produced in this physical body. Right? And all who do evil hate light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. Now, now, I know each one of you are sinners based on the fact that you're rebels and you're sin-producing people. I'm not saying you're not redeemed. Please understand. <laughs> Jesus is calling out the fact that people sin. That's what they do. Rebels rebel. The issue comes down that when the Holy Spirit reveals your condition, do you yield and raise your eyes to him? Or do you go, I don't want to deal with that. I've, I've done that many times in my Christian life. I don't want to deal with it today. And I'm only guessing <laughs> uh, that you're no different. The real sense of our Christianity comes when the Holy Spirit shows us stuff about us that we don't want to see. And we're put into that personal situation where we yield ourselves and we look to him for the solution. No different than sin being raised up on a pole and we looked to him. No different than Jesus saying, I'm going to be raised up and you're, you're going to either believe in me for, for your salvation or you're not. 
See, I think the believing has a lot more to do from this mental to the point of what do you do when sin is exposed in you? And I submit to you, that's scary. And I don't think the church really tells you what to do with that. I, I, I think we skirt around the issue. Oh, I don't want to feel, I don't, I don't want to tell you that you messed up. I mean, isn't that judging? <laughs> there wouldn't be any judging if, we, if, if I realized how much God is showing me about me. You wouldn't get a spirit of me being judging you if I'm on my knees going, God, I'm, I'm the worst. Right? But those who do what is right, watch this, this is, the, this is what people who believe look like. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they're doing what God wants. Please understand, salvation isn't me doing what's right and hoping God accepts it. That would be me thinking I know what God wants. <laughs> the system really works this way, that God shows me who I am, and when I repent, and as I walk a repentant life, then people will go, oh, that's how it's done. I could go on for a while. I just want to end with this. I mentioned the issue with heaven. And most people, when they think of heaven, they think that, you know, of the scripture that says, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And listen, during memorials, that is the winner of the, of the scriptural lottery. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And, and in the Christian faith, that is something we hang our hope on. But we also have to look at the balance in Matthew 25 where Jesus says, at the end of the days, I'm going to be separating sheep and goats. And there's some people that are going to come to me saying, Lord, Lord, we've done everything you wanted. And he goes, you know what? I, I don't know you. And, and that scripture should go <gasps> a little bit, right? It should, it should, like, I don't want to be that. And I just want to tell you that if I run away from the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I'm not letting God know me. I'm really, I mean, it's not that God doesn't know what's inside me already. But when God is trying to show me stuff about me to bring me closer to him and I run from him, that's the goats. Just saying. I know, pastor, it's, it's late. It's, it's his time. You know, we're going to end with a, a time of prayer. And what, it, what I'd like for you to look at, I even have some questions because pastor's training us. Will you put your faith in Jesus as the only cure for your fatal condition? Will you move from darkness and shame into light of, into the light of God present today? I think those are the questions that, that each of us, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, whether you're kicking the tires of the Christian faith, those are really the questions we need to deal with today. 
So what I'd like to do is just invite the elders and their wives and pastors to, you know, if, you, if you'd go to a, you know, a place where people, if they need to, can come pray. But I'd like to just be in a place where we ask God to maybe change our heart and our perspective. So I just want to give us a time of prayer and I'll be back in a few minutes to wrap it up. Father, you're so good to us today. You know, the word speaks to us that that God is the one that brings light into darkness. But he asks us to move from dark to light. See, we're not the source of light. But the movement from dark to light, he's asked us to do. Heavenly Father, we trust in you. We trust in your power. We trust in your motivation. We trust in your fullness of love to move us from darkness to light. Help us, Father. Give us your strength. Give us your conviction. I pray truly that you would bless each one here. Let your name be glorified and let us love one another as you've loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed, y'all.